This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. It's so small. I don't know if he's just so big. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. And I'm Stacey Kulo, and we are both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Me either. Just kidding. I love that show. But I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we are watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. This week we watched season two, episode 22 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Becoming, part two. As well as Gilmore Girls, I Can't Get Started. Brian, these are the season finales. So much happening in these episodes. Oh, we did it. We did it. We made it through two whole seasons. Yeah. I don't know if you guys at home can tell. You might hear a dog barking in the background. Uh, As you might know, we have multiple neighbors with dogs that uh, just bark when they're gone constantly. Or you might hear a child crying. There seems to be a lot of family drama, which we maybe told you this. But one time Brian left a note about the dogs barking, and we're not positive that that didn't cause a whole slew of problems for this family. Yeah, there's been a lot of family drama since that note was left. Their life Uh, seemed to change a lot after that note. Before you guys hate me, this dog barks like six hours a day, constantly at the door across the hall from us, so it's it's constant. And I left a very nice note. And we didn't know that their dog would cause family problems for them. Again, we don't know that that's the case, but um, it is weird timing. Yeah. Yeah, there seems to be fights about whether the children should go back to school, which is it's fair. It's a heavy subject. I don't know that that's like a good hallway fight to have. Yeah, but... the door was just open. Like, anyone walking by would have heard it. We weren't, like, trying to hear it. I mean, we wanted to hear yeah. it. Yeah, we don't have a lot going on. If there's a fight, we're making popcorn. Yeah. I wonder if the dog barks because it's like, uh, I just want the sound of, like, distress. I'm so used to it. Oh, yeah. It's comforting. That could be. That's probably it. All right, Brian. Should we watch our shows? You mean talk about them? Oh, shit. We forgot to watch them. Oh, God. This is just based on IMDb summaries. (laughs) Oh, this whole thing has been. No. We have watched the shows. We're going to talk about them now. Right? Yeah, I'm excited. So let's start with Buffy. Okay. Stacey, what happened on Becoming Part 2? Well, picks up where Becoming Part 1 left off. Buffy is on the run from the cops because they think she killed Kendra. Buffy's like on a quest to catch Angel and she makes all kinds of new friends along the way like Spike and Whistler. Her friends are trying to help her out, some more than others, and eventually she she does it. She gets Angel. Yeah. She sends him back to hell. Yeah. And she tells her mom. Yeah. Whew, I'm tired. And we finally get to see the last of Spike. No, Spike will be back. Okay, but we do see the last of Kendra, though. I don't believe anything you say anymore. She's dead. That's what the cops say. (laughs) I don't know that Angel's dead. Angel is dead. We'll see him again. In a way, we will see Angel again, that is true. But he's... (sighs) I bet she's got, like, dreams about him and stuff. He's not coming back for, let's say, hundreds of years. Yeah, that's what you say. At least a hundred years. I don't care how he comes back. We'll see him again. Let's, Let's take it back. So, Kendra's dead, right? Yeah. Or so we think. She's dead. The guns we saw at the end of the last episode were the cops. They were there to arrest Buffy. I don't exactly know how the cops are aware of this. I think Principal Snyder Cork called them. So Buffy starts looking around. She sees that Xander looks like totally knocked out. She's worried he's dead. And then Principal Cork pops up and like IDs Buffy to the cops. She calls him a stupid little troll. And then the cops start like arresting her and reading her rights. And she just like knocks out the cops and runs away. I half expected her to kick Principal Cork in the dick on her way out. But 
She did not. He was just standing there. He seemed like blown away by her strength. So I still don't know what he knows. Like, does he know she's a slayer? He seemed surprised that she was able to just like fight the cop. I don't think he knows she's a slayer. I think that he knows they're on a hellmouth and she could be one of a million different things, you know? There's witches. There's evil scientists. There's a million things. And he just knows that she's something. That makes sense, I guess. We'll talk more about that later. The cops call the other cops and they're like, there's a dangerous blonde fugitive on the loose. And there's a big AIDS poster behind her? Like, what is this poster for? Advertising AIDS? AIDS? Yeah, that was a big focus of the episode. It was like weirdly in focus. So then Buffy goes to the hospital. She's trying to like sneak around and find her friends by wearing just a black winter hat. Blonde hair a-flapping. You can just see everything about her. Yeah, she's not particularly disguised. No. But uh, Xander's there, but he's okay. He just broke his arm. And the cops are, like, walking by, so he, like, quicks hug Buffy to, like, hide her hair from the cops. But also, I think he just, like, wanted a hug. But then she's all like, you're trying to have sex with me. I mean, that's not wrong. That's generally why. But no, he's legit sad because Willow's not doing as well. She's had some kind of head trauma, and the doctors are like, she could wake up at any minute, but, like, the longer she doesn't, the less likely it is that she'll be fine or will even wake up. Buffy's like, I never should have let her try that spell. Angel must have known. But I don't think that's true. Like, they just came to the library because that's where they know her friends hang out. They weren't like, God stop her from doing the curse. Angel had no idea that they had another orb or a, a curse translated. Like, it's impossible to cure him after what he thought he did to Jenny. Yeah, I thought this was a mistake, but thinking about it right now, at this moment, she doesn't know that Giles is gone. So she has to assume that must have been the reason Angel sent his cronies because why else would they? Yeah, okay, that's fair. That's what she thinks, but she's wrong. So Xander's gonna tell Oz they forgot to let him know. Her parents are out of town, so we cover that, why we don't have to meet her parents yet. Ever. But they're like, where's Giles? Nobody knows where Giles is. Angel has Giles, and he's like, hey, Giles, I, like, need your help opening this big old demon box, and I would absolutely just love to torture you, if that's cool. Um, So I think that's what they're going to do. The cops are at Buffy's house questioning Joyce. She's like, oh, I think she's sleeping over at Willow's house. And the cops are like, oh, one of the victims, right. So Joyce now knows that the cops are after Buffy, and they think that she's, like, a violent criminal. And Joyce is like, huh? Buffy goes to Giles' house, and Whistler Rune is there. I really don't know why he's there. He spends a long time there, too. He's just hanging out, drinking his drinks, going through his stuff. But he's like, it wasn't supposed to happen this way. I thought Angel was here to stop Akathala, not bring him forth. So, like, did Whistler know about this whole demon thing from the beginning when he, like, sent Angel to California? I don't know if he knew then. Uh, he knew that Angel was important for some reason. Okay. And then he's he's kind of indicating, like, that was the plan. I thought that's what Angel was supposed to do. Or, like, the Angel was supposed to help Buffy in her quest, but, like, wasn't supposed to fall in love with her, and that's what's ruined everything. But he's like, what are you prepared to give up to stop him? And she's like, what's your deal? Are you some immortal demon sent to even the score between good and evil? And he doesn't say yes, but he basically says yes. Yeah, he's like, good guess. So is that what he is? Do we see more of him? I feel like I have no idea what he is. So here's what I'll say. We do not see any more of Whistler. However, there's a character in the Buffy universe that's clearly supposed to be Whistler, but I don't know if they didn't get the actor again or they were like, let's get a different non-Rune actor. Um, But no, we don't see Whistler again. But we see another, like, one of him? Sort of, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, it's just I don't really understand like what he knew and didn't know. We we can maybe talk more later. But he's like, in the end, you're all you've got. You better know how to use that sword. She's like, I don't care. I'll figure it out. Bye. She just bolts without questioning him. And it's like, it sounds like he's got important information for you. Yeah. At the hospital, Xander is at Willow's bedside, like pleading with her not to die. He needs her. And then he tells her he loves her. And this works. She starts waking up. She starts mumbling stuff about Oz like she's Dorothy. <laughs> yeah, she says Oz. You think she's going to say Xander and she says Oz, which clearly like hurts Xander. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's not crazy. And, and then Oz shows up. She asks him if her head is big because it feels big. He's like, no, it's just regular head. It, it is nice, but it, the Xander Willow moment was like sweeter than the Oz showing up. Like, I feel like we haven't seen Oz and Willow really be a couple enough for mm-hmm. me to like care that Oz is there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've seen him a little bit and we've seen them flirty and we have to assume there's relationship we don't see, obviously, between episodes. Yeah, I would just like rather her and Xander have this moment to come together than like care that Oz is there. Well, I think the point of the scene isn't really to showcase their love. It's to showcase like Xander being hurt. Yeah. Totally. But he doesn't, like, watch them. He just kind of leaves. I know, but he's clearly hurt. And it's, like, his fault. I mean, he loves her as a friend. Yeah, he could have had her. But if there was more than that, then I think he's just hurt that he doesn't have that special place where he's the most important person to her anymore. Yeah, which is maybe not nice. No, is that, like, a total rational thing? Is it selfish? Sure, it's selfish. It's not totally rational, but it's not... It is a real feeling people have. Yeah. Like when you and I started dating or you moved in with me, I'm sure your parents were like, oh, we're not the most important person in her life anymore. And you it's not- You moved in with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. 100%. My mom listens to this. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> But like, you know what I mean? Like your parents are probably like hurt a little bit that like they're not the most important people in your life anymore. Right. And Xander is Willow's dad. Yeah. We find that out later. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's him and Whistler. But it's a it's a natural thing. It was a fine moment. I kind of liked it. It was all great. I was just saying, I feel like we haven't seen Willow and Oz be cute much. So the cops have found Buffy. They tell her to put her hands on her head. And I don't know why she doesn't. They're about to like shoot her. And then a mystery person jumps in and beats up the cops. And it's Spike. I knew it. I knew he'd help her. Yeah. Uh, she tries to fight him at first, because obviously. And he's like, no, no, I want to help you stop Angel. And she thinks it's a trick at first, because like, yeah, that's fair. But Spike's like, he's got Giles. I want to save the world. I want to help you get Angel. And whenever vampires talk about destroying the world, it's all talk. And I'm like, thank you, Spike, because it's, it's dumb to me. The vampires keep trying to destroy the world. And Spike says like exactly what we've been talking about. He's like, no, I love it. There's like tons of people to eat. There's like dog racing. Love that. <laughs> and vampires love dog raisins, it's a favorite thing. He's, it's just all vampire locker room talk when we talk about destroying the world. Don't worry about it. He's like, Angel might actually do it though, so we should stop him. But most importantly, he wants Drew back from Angel because Angel's kind of, uh, it seems like he's maybe winning Drew currently and um, Spike's not super into that. Basically just lets Buffy know that she needs him. And she's like, yeah, okay, let's do it. He's like, cool, cool, just let me finish killing this cop. And she's like, what? No. That's really funny. And he's like, oh, oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> so she takes Spike to her house. Joyce shows up just as they're arriving and wants to know, like, Buffy, why are the cops looking for you? Did you kill someone? And Spike's like, whoa, your mom doesn't know? I love Spike. He says exactly what we're thinking. <laughs> And Buffy's like, no, we're in a band. I play the drums. And Joyce is like, well, what do you do? He's like, well, I sing. Can they, will they be a band? I hope that's true. It's not. Okay. 
Yeah, there's this, like, a Save by the Bell episode where we see, like, a future band that they're all in. Buffy and the Vampires? Yeah, but, like, Spike gets, like, too full of himself and mm. tries to do his own solo career. I mean, he gets in a car accident, but he's fine because he's a vampire. Yeah. And then a vampire shows up, and Buffy and Spike deal with it. They kill it. Yeah. So Joy sees what it's like for one of those to die. Then they just, like, immediately don't address it and start talking shop in front of her, and she's got questions. She's like, what the hell just happened? So Buffy tells her. She tells her, I'm a vampire slayer. Okay, I have to say this, and I feel like people are going to give me so much hate for this. Okay. But I just have to say it, and I want to know what you guys think. I feel like Catherine Sutherland in this episode is just not believable at all. Like, Joyce's reactions are not believable. And I don't know if it's the actress or it's how it's scripted, but, like, I feel like she just watches a man get, like, dusted in front of her, like, disintegrate in front of her after Buffy and her friend, like, stab him in the heart. And her reaction's all like, what now? I think the biggest reaction would be horror and screams. Yeah, I would probably scream if I just watched my daughter turn a man to dust. At the very least, she just watched her daughter murder someone, let alone some magical thing that just happened. So she would be screaming. She would be hysterical. And she's honestly just like, what? You're double booked and can't come to my party? Like, it's just total, unbelievable, understated reaction. She acts like Buffy just, like, ate the last Chips Ahoy or something. She was like, I'm saving that. Like, it's... So understated. And then in the whole rest of the scene, it just feels like Joyce is just like not reacting until like the last part of it, which we'll get to in a second. It just it's like she's not reacting. I would have a million questions like nonstop. She kind of does have a million questions, but she does just sort of let them talk. Because like now Buffy just leaves her mom with Spike awkwardly in the living room. Which again is like, do you trust Spike that much? Yeah. I feel like you wouldn't. Spike seemed hungry a second ago. But yeah, she goes to talk to Willow. Willow seems okay. She's like, sorry, I couldn't cure Angel. Buffy's like, it's cool. I'm over it. He's easier to kill now because I'm over it. And she tells Willow and Xander that she has a plan. She knows where Giles is. She doesn't tell them who's working with her though. Spike and Joyce are having an awkward convo. And she's like, have we met yet? He's like, yeah, yeah. You hit me with an axe once. That's so funny. (laughs) She's like, okay, cool. Back to silence. (laughs) But then Buffy comes back and they just like talk in front of Joyce about what's going on. And Spike wants to leave with Drew. She's like, no way. Drew killed Kendra. And Spike is like, oh, good for her. She got a slayer. That's awesome. Oh, I could see why that's bad from your perspective. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, Joyce here starts to ask questions. Yeah. Then Joyce also, there's a lot of funny lines in this episode when Joyce is like, have you tried not being a slayer? Yeah. But a lot of her questions are like vampire logic. It's like season one stuff. Keep up, Joyce. Yeah. Spike's on his way out. Bobby's like, P.S. If Giles dies, Drew dies. FYI. But Spike's like insisting he's just going to leave the country and leave Buffy alone. So we'll see. Joyce wants to call the cops. Buffy's like, no, I have to deal with this. I don't have time to talk to you right now, mom. Joyce is frustrated that Buffy isn't, like, explaining better, which I get. Yes. Like, you absolutely couldn't just let your daughter go after finding all this out. Joyce turns on a dime here after Buffy, like, says, have another drink, Mm -hmm. which... Both of them, I'm like, Buffy, yeah, she should be able to have some drinks. Like, shit's happening right now. Yeah. But Joyce's reaction right now is how I feel like she should have been reacting from the porch. Right, right. Uh, You know? But then Buffy's like, open your eyes. What do you think's been going on? And I'm like, thank you. You've been a little (laughs) oblivious to some of this. And Buffy's like, I didn't choose this. I don't want to do this. I want to be a regular person, but this doesn't stop. I have to save the world right now. Bye. And Joyce is like, you're not leaving. She's like, you can't stop me. And then, like, strength arms her. And then, like... Strength arms her. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, don't even think about leaving or you'll never come back. And then she's... a weird like, impression. Yeah. And Joyce then, turns into a witch. No, 
She says, if you walk through that door, don't even think about coming back. Right. And Buffy thinks about it for like a second and then leaves. Yeah. I mean, it's not a crazy hard decision. I feel like if nothing else, Giles will take her in. Right. She's not close to her mom. Yeah. Willow will take her in. Yeah. Xander will definitely take her in. But also, like, um, being homeless sucks, but um, living in a hell dimension probably is worse. Right. I get it was maybe a hard decision to make, but also not. Like, you, all I can compare it to is being a server and, like, having to prioritize. And sometimes you you got to get the food out of the window, even if somebody wants to pay their check. <laughs> you guys get it. Yeah, they get it. Willow wants to try the curse again. Oz is like, what's happening? I've missed like three episodes. I was doing awesome powers. Like, what's going on right now? <laughs> that was kind of funny because he was not in several episodes, including the previous one. Yeah. I like Oz's character a lot. I just think it's funny when he's just like admit stuff, but he's like kind of still cool with it, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, all right, we're doing some like witchcraft stuff. Okay, this is new. So what's happening? Like, yeah. Just like nonchalant. Like, okay. Very open-minded. Mm-hmm. Buffy goes back to the library to get the sword, but Principal Quark shows up and is like, I'm going to pin this on you fyi i don't like you remember and the sunnydale cops are dumb they'll do whatever i say either way you're expelled baby got you you're gone i don't like you she's like you never had a single date in high school did you He's like, your point being... But then she takes the sword and just, like, leaves. I actually kind of hate that line. I'm sure that to a high schooler that's like, oh, sweet burn. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. It's kind of funny, though, that he was like, you're right. Right, right. (laughs) She should have been like... I mean, a much better one be like, all right, Verge. Yes. She should have called him a Verge. Do you think he's married now? Um, We find out in the next season that, like, Snyder's, like, an amazing family man. He's, like, a great dad, wonderful husband, very caring, thoughtful. Runs a bar in space. (laughs) But after Buffy leaves, he makes a phone call and is like, tell the mayor I have good news. Which, now that you said he thinks Buffy is just like a witch or something, that makes more sense. Because I was like, if he knows Buffy's a slayer, you'd think he would like want to keep her around. But yeah, if he thinks she's just like one of the hellmouth things, then like, yeah, that would be good news that this like big troublemaker's gone. But Buffy's still in town, you know? It's not like he killed her. Well, I mean, you don't know what the mayor's agenda is or isn't. I don't. I don't even remember if the mayor, like, comes back as, like, a character in any way. Okay. I don't know. That was sort of disappointing that we still don't have any resolution on what the hell the principal's up to. Yeah, but that leaves it open for next season. It's true. This season definitely ends more cliffhangery than season one did. I mean, I know the master, like, immediately came back after we thought he was done, but, like, we didn't know he was coming back. Yeah, I mean, episode one of season three is just her gathering Angel's bones and... (laughs) Doing a sexy dance with them. Yeah, it's like, what is going on, Joss? Like, settle down, man. So Giles is still being tortured. He's not telling Angel shit. It seems like he's about to break, but then he just, like, says something about Angel having to wear a tutu and calls him some British insult we don't know. Angel keeps mentioning he wants to use a chainsaw. But, like, as far as torture goes, chainsaw's, like, not a good thing to use. Yeah, you're, like, done after a chainsaw. Like, yeah, you could cut someone's leg off, but then, like, that leg doesn't feel pain anymore. Right. So it's just, it's great for killing. Not great for torture. But then Spike pops up and he's like, you know, there's other ways. He doesn't pop up, though. He rolls out. Right. And then he sicks Drew on him. And Drew does her, like, hypnotist thing where she makes Giles think that she's Jenny. And via Jenny, she, like, tricks Giles into telling everyone that it has to be Angel's blood. Not that rando's blood that they tried to use to awaken the hell demon. I mean, I pointed that out in the last podcast. I was like, "Why? who's this dude? Does just any old blood work? But clearly not. This is funny, though. They, like, pan over to Spike and Angel talking while Drew and Giles are kissing because Giles thinks she's Miss Calendar. I knew that was going to happen. I was like, I bet they're both just there watching, and they were. And Angel's like, cool, got what we need, kill him. And Spike's like, no, 
What if he's lying? So Spike is trying to help Buffy here by not killing Giles. And then they talk for like a while and Drew and Giles are still making out. <laughs> Spike's like, uh, I think that's good. I get why Spike does this because it does stop Angel from hurting Giles more. Like, especially since he was about to chainsaw him. Yeah. But it still does get Angel, like, one step closer to ending the world. Yeah, but I just don't think Spike has much of a choice. Yeah. It's just like, he's gonna kill Giles. I gotta do what I gotta do. Buffy's gotta be on her way. She knows it's, like, almost time. That's true. But first, Buffy stops off at the Whistler's house, formerly Giles' house. You know, she could have saved time if she had just, like, hung out and talked to him the first time. But she's ready to listen now. And he's like, Angel's the key. He opened and closes the door. And almost from the way the Whistler talks, it seems like Angel was here for this purpose to like do something with this known demon that could come back and cause the world to end. So does it have to be the same just person that does both or is it is it specifically Angel is the one that was meant to do this all along? I have some theories. There's a lot of ways to look at this. One way is someone has seen in the future that Angel's blood and Angel closed this portal because that is what happens, right? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. So somebody saw that in the future and they're like, we got to make sure like Angel meets this Buffy girl because, you know, people that see the future don't always see it clearly. They're like, I see that he and Buffy like closed this portal. They don't see the fact that he's also the one that opened it, you know? Right. So it has been faded this whole time that he'll be the one to close it. Ironically, though, that's only because he's the one that's going to open it. Does Angel like know this is his fate? He seems very confident that like he should be the one to open it in the first place. That's unclear. There's also the idea that, like, why is Angel's blood in particular important? And it could be, again, that whoever is doing the ritual, their blood would be the one that matters. Mm -hmm. And so since Angel's the one doing the ritual, it's his blood. But let's say Spike wanted to open the portal and awaken Akathla, then it would have been his blood. And so when Whistler's talking about Angel's blood, he knows Angel's blood's the one that matters because he knows Angel's the one that closes the portal because he knows that's what the future has told him, right? Right. But it definitely seems like Angel's blood is somehow special. Well, then Whistler says how to use the sword and that one blow will send them both back to hell. But like get there before he opens it because then it's easier. And she's like, I got this. I got nothing left to lose. And then as she runs away again, he's like, actually, you've got one more thing, which I think means... She's going to have to kill Angel. Yeah. So does he also know that? That she's not going to make it? Like, can he see the future? Yeah, it's, you know, who's to say? I don't know. I feel like he has seen some part of the future. I think he's maybe seen that she kills him. Okay. Well, Buffy's on her way to Spike's house. Her plan is to strike at daylight, and Xander pops out of the bushes to surprise her. He's going to help, too. His job is to rescue Giles. And then he's about to tell her that Willow is trying to recurse Angel, but he doesn't. He stops himself. Very poignant on his face. Yeah, he says, Willow, uh, Willow says kick his ass. Close up. Music. We need to talk about this scene. We're going to talk about it at the end, but there's, a, there's just so much to discuss here that's so vital and so controversial. But Xander makes the choice to lie to Buffy by omit. Well, he just to lie to Buffy about what Willow's doing and to not tell her that Willow is trying to put the soul back into Angel. Angel's started the ritual. Buffy sneaks in, kills a vampire from behind with the sword. Angel's like, fuck this, I don't have time for you. And then Spike just starts beating the shit out of Angel. Another vampire comes in, tries to stop Buffy, and Drew starts fighting Spike. Xander comes in to save Giles, and Giles is like, this isn't real, they're they're making me see things I want to see. And Xander's like, well then why would they make you see me? And Giles is like, oh, good point, cheerio. (laughs) 
Cheers. Angel has come to, and Buffy's still dealing with the vampire. Drew and Spike are still dealing with each other. Can we talk about this vampire? This is like the toughest minion in the show. Yeah, it takes <laughs> her a while. Also, like, she has to, like, grab a steak from, like, a broken Like chest a pile of wood? Or, yeah, but, like, did you not bring more steaks? Yeah, where's Kendra's steak? I know she gave one to Xander, but it just seems like, don't, you should have, like, a bunch. Yeah, where's your hair steak? I guess she had her sword, but anyway. But while she's dealing with this vampire, Angel pulls the sword out of the stone demon. Buffy and Angel then have a sword fight. Very clearly stunt doubles a lot of the time. The man especially has a very different like hair line and body type. Yeah, the, the stunt double for Angel looks like from a distance, like Rob Hubel from like Children's Hospital or maybe even like Will Arnett. It's very different hairline than David Boreanaz. Meanwhile, Willow is struggling. She starts speaking in like a different language and she's kind of like in a trance. You think that's struggling? Sounds like she's doing it real well. Yeah, well, we don't exactly know what's happening to her. Yeah. Like she could be taken over by like a demon or something. It's true. I don't, I don't know. Spike like just chokes out Drew. She attacks him first. He's like, I don't want to hurt you. And she like punches him and then he just punches her right in the face. Yeah. He's like, it doesn't mean I won't. But he just like totally chokes her out. Buffy's lost her sword. He sees that Angel's like about to kill Buffy. He's like, hmm. Well, gotta go. Yeah, he doesn't care. <laughs> Drives away in his car. It's daytime. Apparently, vampires are just fine during the daytime if they're in a car. Well, the car is like got like shoe polish all over the windshield. Yeah. Buffy doesn't have a sword. Angel's like, oh, no weapons, no friends, no hope. What have you left? He goes to stab her, but she grabs the sword with her hands, like just before he gets her. And she says, I've got me, which is like what Whistler said. Yeah. He's like, you do have one thing or something like that. So he's prophetic. I don't know. Buffy starts winning the fight. Angel gets knocked down, like, right in front of the statue. And then, what? Angel? Like, something happens to his eyes, and it seems like the curse has been lifted. And you can tell that it's him, because he's acting bad again. He's like, where are we? I don't remember anything. Everything's so muddled. Did I try speaking with an Irish accent last episode? I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, he apologizes for the accent. Buffy's like a bit skeptical, but they embrace. I would maybe do like another test or two. I think she could just tell. Like she could just see that it's him. Yeah. Yeah. And then the stone demon opens its big weird mouth and Buffy knows what she has to do. She has to stab the sword right through Angel, right into the green screen behind him (laughs) and send him back to whatever weird 2D dimensions behind him. First, they have some long kisses that say they love each other. She tells him to close his eyes before she does it. Yeah. Um, But she does it, just like Whistler said to do. And then he gets sucked into the hell vortex. And um, Buffy's very sad. She didn't want to have to do this, but she did. This scene's great, man. This scene's, I feel like, super emotional and powerful. Yeah. I remember watching it when it first aired, and I had always sort of hoped that Buffy and Xander would get together. I know that's silly now, especially on a rewatch, but in my head, I I identified with him at that time. I was like a 15-year-old boy, too. But I just remember this scene of being, I literally would start, I started talking to the TV. I was just like, no, 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 it's okay. They could be together. It's fine. It's fine. It's cool. Like, they, uh, I was wrong. They should be together. You talked to the TV? I did. I started because it was. That is shocking for someone that still screams at video games. <laughs> I just kept uh, complaining about the lag. Um, <laughs> it was touching, I thought. I thought this scene was like re- really well done, other than the special effects being pretty yeah, obvious. Angel um, looks pretty bad as he's floating away. I guess I don't know what it looks like to be sucked into hell. but yeah. um, He's just kind of like reaching out feebly. It's weird. But Buffy's doing a great job. I mean, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to talk about that at the end, too. But this, this scene, I thought, was good. I thought this scene was really powerful. Buffy goes home, packs some stuff, leaves a note for her mom, which we don't see what the note says. We don't see her pack, but it really seems to bum Joyce out. So I assume the letter's like, later, bitch. 
I assume it was a uh, charcoal drawing of her sleeping. <laughs> the rest of the gang's all meeting up at school. They're all a mess. They're all injured. None of them have seen Buffy, but they obviously know she saved the world because they're there. They've checked the mansion and Angel's not there. They maybe do know that Spike's gone since they checked the mansion. Yeah. But Willow said she thinks the spell worked because something went through her. Xander's like, oh, maybe though she killed him first. That'd be cool. And Willow's like, well, or maybe he was saved and they ran off together. And they're all basically like, I guess we'll see her though. Right? Right? If they ran off together, I hope she's like super naggy to him all the time so he doesn't get too excited about it. <laughs> you mean so Angel stays sad? Yeah. Yeah. So he's just like slightly annoyed. It's just not perfect. It's, it's nice, but it's not great. Yeah. Not true happiness. Right. But Buffy's watching them from like across the street and no one can see her because she's just a little bit far away. Yeah. Everyone is super nearsighted in this universe. And then it ends on Buffy taking a bus out of Sunnydale. We've got a couple things I want to cover. One, let's just start with Whistler, okay? Okay. I don't think any of his lines of dialogue where he's like trying to be funny are funny. Where he's like, you know, uh, looking in an English guy's house for booze is like the same as dating a nun. You're never going to get the good stuff. Like, what? Also, you're a demon. Do you have sex? Sure. Also, Drew's a nun, and she's banging everybody. Yeah. But also, he's just, like, not that helpful, and he's, like, so cryptic. I guess you could argue that he, if he does know how it all ends, then he knows that he this is all he has to do. That's one perspective, I suppose. I'm fine with it being cryptic if it, like, all became clear what his deal was, but it did not. Well, she says what his deal is, that he's, like, a demon has been sent to... Sure, but, like, sent by whom? What is this? By the powers that be. Okay. God? Like, what? what is the power? It's that bee. Okay. <laughs> Who's the bee? It's just a giant bee? <laughs> I said the powers that be, not the powers of a bee. The powers of that bee. It's this huge, benevolent bee. <laughs> um, okay. And do you have other things to discuss? I also want to talk about Sarah Michelle Gellar. I think she shines in this episode. Just the actress, I feel like she does a great job. She's so good at emotion. Like, really portraying, like, large emotions. And I bought, I bought every scene she was in when she had to be emotional. Like, losing Angel again, I just... It's hard not to feel empathy for her. Yeah. Uh, I thought she did a great job. The Xander thing. We gotta talk about the Xander thing. Yeah, this is a big issue for you. You've been wanting to be able to talk about this for months. Okay. First off, let's talk about Xander lying to Buffett. Was that wrong? Yes, it was wrong. It was wrong to do that to Willow, and it was wrong to not tell Buffy what was happening. Oh, yeah, especially because Willow wanted it. Yes. She wanted Buffy to know. However, let's talk about how this entire show, this entire season, though, has been suggesting that Buffy's mindset when it comes to Angel is not rational. Mm-hmm. She is not focused when she's around Angel. She doesn't kill Angel. Several she can't times. bring herself to kill Angel. And because of that, he kills a lot of people. A lot. So Xander, I mean, I think it is a little self-motivated because he doesn't want Buffy to be with Angel. Right. But I also, I think you're right. Part of it could just be like, she's not going to kill him if she thinks there's a chance he could be with her. Or she's going to hesitate. Yeah. Not because she's stupid, but because she loves him. You need your quick reflexes. You need your 100%. And if you're even giving it 95%, because your little bit of you is like, is that Angel inside? Like, you're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And the show this season has made that very clear. Kendra... Made that very clear when she was in Willie's bar with Buffy about her not thinking straight when it came to Angel. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that what Xander did was crazy or 100% motivated by I want to be with Buffy. I do think it's a mix, but I don't think it's just like I'm selfish, like, oh, I'm going to get rid of Angel. I think it was a calculated like Buffy needs to be in on this 100%. That brings me to one more point about it. I don't know why, but there's a lot of people out there who have said that Angel's death only happened 
because Xander lied about the soul thing. And I, you and I both watched this scene a couple of times. It's just not true. We'll even just really quickly walk through it. This is what happens. Xander lies to her. Again, wrong. He doesn't tell her about the soul thing. So she goes in there. The most important thing is to not let him pull that sword out of that stone. That is her number one priority, second priority, kill Angel. She walks in. She kills a vampire immediately. That's the first thing she does. Then Angel says, I don't have time for you. It's a ticking clock. He doesn't care that she's there. He just needs to pull that sword out. And that's what he's about to do, even though she's there. Then Spike beats him up with a tire iron. Then, as Spike is beating up Angel, a vampire attacks Buffy. She doesn't have a choice. She has to fight this vampire until Angel gets up and grabs that sword and pulls it out. There isn't time. People say, oh, she could have, like, stalled Angel. Her goal already is to stall him in any way possible to prevent him from pulling out that sword. Killing him is secondary already. She could have yelled something. Like, she could have, like, run in and said, hey, chase me. Wait five minutes. He already said to her, I don't have time for this. Saw her and went to go pull the sword out anyway. There's just nothing she could have done. Like, maybe Xander could have helped her more, like, dealt with the vampire that she was dealing with. But, like, as far as they knew, Angel was knocked out. And, like, she didn't see that he got up until it was too late. You know, like, I guess we could have left Giles, but Giles was also a big priority. But then it's like, right, so we're sacrificing Giles and maybe Xander to maybe, if this spell happens to work, save Angel, you know? it's another, We don't know this spell is going to work. Exactly. Regardless, there's just nothing she could have said that would have stopped Angel from pulling that sword out. And the only reason he didn't pull it out, honestly, is because Spike beat the shit out of him for a minute. <laughs> And then he still pulled it out before she could get to him. So I think it's a little gray because, like, the show definitely wants us to see that Xander made a choice that affected how it went down. Yes. And when you talk to people about this, the thing they say is like, oh, well, they could have come up with a plan if he would have told Buffy. Right. And I believe that the show maybe could have come up with a plan, you know? like I mean, they could have written anything in. Right. So I, I think there maybe is some kind of plan that they could have come up with if he had told her. But I also don't think there's enough evidence that the show has given us that Xander is alone responsible. I think that lie was more about two things. One... Telling us about Xander's character, the way his mind works. Also, it's showing a betrayal of both Buffy and Willow. I don't think it was supposed to show us like, oh, this angel death is because of this moment. Sure, yeah. I think if that's the case, then like we would have seen Xander like think about it or sulk or, you know, feel mm-hmm. guilt. Because you could argue it was Giles' fault for telling Angel the secret. I mean, I know he was hypnotized, but, like, that was also a factor. So I know some people probably even listening to this are like, no, it's Xander's fault. It isn't. It was wrong of Xander. Again, let's say that a thousand times. He shouldn't have done it. But it wouldn't have saved Angel's life. Okay, that's out of the way. That's, like, my pet peeve. I just, like, can't stand it when people say that. <laughs> the other thing I want to say is it's just, this episode was just so good. A mirror, like, they set stuff up all season for this. All the stuff about Buffy being being uh, unable to kill Angel, even the Jenny Calendar stuff with Giles. Like you sort of suggested that he should have been like, why is Jenny Calendar here? I, this must be craziness. This can't really be happening. But he'd already told himself mentally that like, there's a way a ghost version of her could talk to me. Yeah, we saw in I Only Have Eyes For You that he was desperate to believe that she might be coming, like communicating to him from the dead. And that's not crazy, right? Because she did dabble a little bit in like magic. Xander told Angel he was going to die and he was going to be there. And he was. Mm-hmm. He might have been outside at that point, but I mean, he was there. So Brian, was this a good episode? Yes, it was a great episode. What did you think? Yeah, it was good. I liked it. It's great. A lot of 
a lot of stuff. It sounds like I didn't like it. It I was, does sound like you didn't like it. No, I did. I, we've just kind of covered everything, I think. I was a little disappointed how cliffhangery it was. Mm-hmm. I was mad that it was over. And luckily, I don't have to wait a whole summer. Well, Gilmore Girls is the same thing. True, but I know what happens there. <laughs> okay. Gilmore Girls is more, though, like, what's going to happen next? Not like, what? We still don't know what the deal with Cork or the Whistler is? Right. I don't think there's another cliffhanger in Buffy. You could argue season five's a cliffhanger, but... I'm sure Buffy's gonna come back. The Hellmouth and everybody lives in Sunnydale. So Mm. I'm sure there'll be an episode or two dealing with whatever her new homeless life is like, but... No, she just moves to Cleveland. Um, But yeah, it was was great. There was a lot of uh, of reveals. Joyce knows, that's big. Spike is an ally, but doesn't super care if Buffy lives or dies. I'm sure we'll see him again. You're saying that because you saw a gif with a bear in it. Yep. And a picture of him sitting with Buffy on a porch. The old bear and porch episode. Can't wait. Season four. They're going to be in a band. But yeah, it had some humor, a lot of good drama, and a lot of big reveals. That was season two of Buffy. Oof. Now we can talk about my favorite show. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on its very shoddy and often poorly written and misleading IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 2, Episode 22, Be Careful What You Witch For, a genie, employed by a dragon warlock to steal the Hallowell's powers, offers to grant each sister one wish for whatever they most desire. Well, when we last left off, Prue was stuck in a vortex, right? Yeah. So I bet her wish is to, like, be done with that. Yeah. Or to stop being a cartoon. I don't know. Oof. That's tough. Well, I'm assuming she became friends with the horseman that she's with. Oh, yeah. She's very friendly. So I'm guessing that, I mean, they probably, in this episode, come out of the vortex and, you know, the horsemen have decided, like, we're not going to destroy this world. We love this club. Piper's so cool. So is Prue. So I don't think she's still stuck in the vortex. Okay. You think that was resolved pretty quickly at the beginning? Yeah, I think at the beginning of this episode. Okay. But, so the thing is, let's just take a step back. Yeah. There's a genie. Employed by a dragon warlock? There's a lot already. Yeah, there's like one of each creature here. So a genie who doesn't, he gets paid by a dragon warlock? Yeah, I mean, is he like the Aladdin genie where he's free now? I'm guessing he's like a freelance genie. Sure. He does jobs. Yeah, yeah. He's like a genie for hire. Yeah, he's a libertarian genie. And the warlock is a dragon, or do you think a dragon warlock is like a specific kind of dragon? Oh, I think it's a dragon. It's a big dragon, like Aquafina in uh, that movie we just watched. But like a bad one. Yeah. Got it. So the dragon warlock hires this genie. Yeah. So do you think he's like, hey, witches, I'll give you whatever you want if you give me your powers? Or do you think that he just like leaves that part out? No, that's a good question. I'm guessing there's a big contract. It's like really long. Oh, and they just like don't notice? Yeah. That's interesting you say that. I was actually going to pitch that um, Phoebe, her wish was to be to get rid of all those people that are mad at her for the pyramid scheme she ran on a previous life. Yeah. So she should be used to contracts. Well, I think that's how they get out of this one. So she's like, you know what? I really would like to kill all these women that are after me for making them try to sell wigs. But I should probably read this contract. Mm -hmm. So the other two are like, it's too long. He's a genie. We have our wishes ready. Piper's like, this is easy. I'm going to wish to not be a witch anymore. Piper should have wished for something, though, if she wanted her wish to come true. Piper does. 
and her wish is granted. But then the genie realizes that that doesn't help. So that's how she gets out of it. Because she signs the contract. But then the guy doesn't get any power from her because she's not a witch anymore. You think she's not a witch anymore? Well, I think at the end of the episode, the genie gives her back her powers because it sort of was like a catch-22. It was like, okay, you're not a witch. Oh, well, I needed you to be the witch because I needed your powers. So she just can't get out of being a witch. And this should have been real easy. Yeah. All she had to do was wish for something other than what she actually wants. But she didn't know that. Phoebe explains it at the end to her, though. You dumb, dumb witch. Yeah, I imagine the uh, genie on his way out, like, turns back and he says something like, you know, if you guys ever need to hire a genie, uh, I can do it. And they're like, okay, we'll remember that. Thanks, dude. Yeah. So Piper's still a witch. Phoebe's still got her pyramid scheme problems. But at the very end, we see Prue looking in the mirror and she's not a cartoon. So we realize she must have done it. She must have signed the contract. Oh, no. Cliffhanger. I guess we'll find out next season what happened. Guess we will. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. And then we watched Gilmore Girls season finale. Brian, tell them about I Can't Get Started. This episode's about Suki's wedding and also about Jess moving back to Stars Hollow and the repercussions of that. And also about Christopher and Lorelai rekindling their relationship and some unforeseen consequences with that. Unforeseen circumstances. I'm sorry. Unforeseen conception stances. Tell me about it. The episode opens with Rory, Lorelai, and Michelle all looking like they had food poisoning. They all just look so, like, hungover or depressed. And it's because they're listening to, like, the saddest song in the world that Suki's playing for them that she wants to play at her wedding. It's the song she wants to walk down the aisle to. Right. Called, I Can't Get Started. That's where the title comes from. It's a real slow, sad song. She's got other choices. They're all bad songs. But she mentions also that she's got two extra seats because someone backed out. And she could give those to Emily and Richard. Uh, which was a nice callback because she says, you know, she really helped me plan my wedding. That was actually a very funny line. She helped me decide to get pink. And Lorelai's like, oh, why pink? Oh, it's because I wanted a different color. And she said no. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Then it's Friday night dinner. Lorelai pitches this to her mother. And she seems like earnestly pitching it to it, too. She's not like saying don't come, you know. She's like, hey, it's going to be great. You should do it. But of course, Emily's like, oh, wait, it's next week. That means it's because it's a pity invite. And then Richard shows up and he's like, oh, I'd love to go. Oh, it's next week. Oh, it's a pity invite. Meanwhile, Lorelai and Rory had come up with like a term they want to start using. Oi with the poodles already. I don't really know the origin of this. She just, oi is a fun word. Yeah, she says oi and poodles are like the funniest words there are. So she finds a sentence they can be together in. This is just so obvious. Oi, with the poodles already. We should use that sometime. And I was like, okay, so we're going to see that soon. Yeah. And then her parents are like being ridiculous about the pity invite. And then she just looks at Roy and is like, oi, with the poodles already. So fun fact, oi, with the poodles already is a very beloved moment from the show. People talk about it all the time. They think it's so funny. I'm glad. Uh, I'm sorry, everybody. I couldn't remember the context. So I was delighted to see it in this episode. But yeah, it's it's whatever. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't like, this is stupid. But it was just like, okay, we're going to hear that again. And we heard it so soon. Too. I was like expecting to see it at the end of the episode or something. When people list their favorite lines from the show, this is like one that comes up. Okay. It did not stand out to me as particularly humorous. Right. Which I, I know someone is upset that I said. I also do want to point out that it is sort of a pity invite. Yeah. But it also is a small wedding and she barely knows Suki. I don't know. Just go to the wedding. Yeah. I mean, I would argue though that Emily like did help her a lot. Sure. Whether or not she used all that stuff is one thing. But like Emily met with her a couple times. That's fair. Uh, but I did think it was funny when Richard was like, oh, you mean a pity invite? Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, that's funny. Definitely. Um, funnier than Oi with the poodles already. Oh, people are going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't expect you to like it. So the next thing is at Luke's. 
Rory and Dean are eating, and Rory clearly wants Dean's food. A little bit of me is like, maybe let Dean eat whatever hell he wants, because you wrecked his car. <laughs> sure. I was just like, don't steal his pancakes. Uh, she's being cute, though, and she wants his pancakes. And he gives them to her, because he's a wonderful man. A uh, dumb man, but he's a wonderful man. <laughs> I keep calling Dean dumb. I, I don't think the show's trying to tell us he's dumb. It's just like how he comes across to me. But obviously he built a car. He's not an idiot. But he's kind of an idiot. He doesn't know what time Rory does anything. I love you, you idiot. She I did guess this. she did label him an idiot. She cursed him. Uh, yeah, he has a soul now. And the second they sleep together. But luckily I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see. One thing viewers might notice in the scene is that Lorelai's not there. She's pacing outside, I guess. Is she literally just pacing outside? Yeah, I think she's working up the courage to come in. But they've like counted how many times she's walked back and forth. Right. I didn't know if she was like going to different shops or something. But anyway, she eventually comes in. If you don't remember, she got in a big fight with Luke a couple episodes ago because of the accident, the car accident. And she blamed Jess and she told him to go to hell. She finally gets the courage to go in, and Rory and Dean are like, all right, we got to go to school, so she's going to finally go talk to Luke. So she does, and Luke is just, like, super cold. Not mean or rude. I mean, I guess a borderline rude, right? Just not warm. But definitely just kind of like, you're a customer to me now. I feel like he almost treats her the way she treats Kirk. It's just kind of like, all right, you're talking about whatever. I don't care. I'm listening, but I, I don't care about right. it. Right. We find out she wrote him a note to apologize. That is apparently what these girls do. He read the note, so he knows she she's sorry he's only well what do you want from me then what would make you happy and she's like i don't want you to be a robot and he's like i'm not i'm fine she's like i want luke back and he's like standing right in front of you and then she's like no he's not but then she just leaves i you think he's just mad about that night i think he's mad that jess had to leave right yeah i mean he sent jess away but i don't know what he was to do at that point nobody would have respected jess at all after that yeah but i mean i think if lorelei hadn't been like jess was the villain everyone Mm -hmm. like if she had been like this is the thing that happened you've been more understanding then maybe he wouldn't have had to do that yeah that is interesting i guess i hadn't really thought about like why he's not letting this go Obviously, her bad-mouthing Jess and telling him to go to hell probably is what made him really mad. But I think that probably is part of it. He's upset that Jess had to leave. Right, because that's not been fixed yet, even though she's apologized. Then we cut to the school where Paris is giving a speech for class president. Student body president. You're right. That's the whole class in there? That's the whole... Yeah, they keep calling it the auditorium, and they say they polled like 150 people. But I was like, maybe there were 150 people in this room? Maybe? But is that the whole school? Because it doesn't seem like enough. It did not seem like... Like enough kids, no. I feel like that happened in the last episode when Lorelai graduated too. They like showed that whole room from the back where the camera people were, mm-hmm. but it looked very small. But then when she's on stage, I think they're trying to make it look really big yeah. from her perspective. I mean, they're not going to get like giant ass auditoriums for these scenes. Right. But it seems like she's doing one of her like diatribes more than like a speech and the crowd is not moved. There's clearly like she's waiting for like applause and stuff and it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she gets off the stage and she's all confused by why the they didn't love her. Then Madeline and Louise show up with some bad news and some good news. The good news is most of the people that they polled seem to think that Paris is the co- most competent and smart person running. By the way, this poll was very fast. Yeah. Paris talked to Rory for like a minute while they apparently polled 150 people and did a lot of math. But the polls also showed that she was severely not likable and that was one of the biggest factors for choosing a candidate. So she's like, oh, I'm not going to win. Uh, and they were like, yeah, unless there's some kind of like sex scandal, you better pray for one. And then that's really funny. She looks at one of the girls and is like, uh, can you get on that? (laughs) But then Paris is like, Rory, listen, everyone thinks you're super nice for some reason. You should run as my VP and then we'll win. And Rory's like, I don't want to do it. And I totally am with Rory. It's like, God, Paris bosses you around all the time. But then Paris is like, 
it'll look good if you go to Harvard. Like, the Harvard will look at this as, like, a big deal. You pointed this out, and I totally agree. Like, yeah, of course, she should know this. Right. Her whole life is like, I want to get into Harvard. She should know that, like, being the head of student council is going to look good on a resume. Mm-hmm. Application, rather. And this convinces her. So she's like, all right, I'm going to do it. She's not happy about it, but she's going to do it. But I don't think we actually, like, see her in any capacity campaigning with her. Mm, they say she made buttons with her mom, but we no. don't see it, though. No. Next scene's at the hospital. Roy's going to get that cast off finally. And lo and behold, we hear somebody. Who is it? It's Christopher. Oh. He was there. He wants to be there for the cast cast-offing. By the way, I don't know how casts come off. I guess they use like a little saw. You and I both were like, how does that work? I feel like you could easily kill someone accidentally with that. Yeah, in the wrist area especially. Neither of us have broken anything. We may have both broken our toes during quarantine. We've broken hearts, baby. Yeah, we've both broken hearts. You break glasses all the time. Accidentally. I don't like throw them down or go to a ton of Jewish weddings. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It just looks scary with a little buzzsaw. Mm-hmm. It looks like something Angel would use to torture Giles. Maybe he did. Back in my day, they didn't have casts. Um, was that Angel or Giles? Or that now? was Angel doing his best. <laughs> his best Giles impression? <laughs> yeah, it's not that bad. It's not great, <laughs> but it's not that bad. Yeah, I guess he's come all the way for the cast removal. He wants to be a bigger part of Rory's life. But also, I feel like there's more than that going on. Because afterwards, they're walking and he says that he's going to stop by on Thursday because of the election. Why is he show- showing up again on Thursday? Yeah, I think what we're to believe is he's going to be around for business again. Yeah. He, he like goes to a nearby town for business. They don't say this, but he offers to come like celebrate with Rory if she wins student council. And then Lorelai's like, well, if you're in town, you should come to the rehearsal dinner. And he's like, well, if Suki won't mind, I'll come. He definitely wants to come. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he needs to do a little less of that, honestly. Mm. Seems to be a problem with them. Then we cut to the rehearsal dinner. Oh, yeah, there's a funny line with Kirk. Uh, like, it seems like he's giving a toast, but really he's like, someone needs to move their car. Yeah, and it's Christopher's car. And then Jackson shows up with a kilt that he needs to wear. That's whatever. It wasn't particularly funny, but apparently it was his father's kilt that he never told him about that he wore to his wedding. Probably just to give Jackson something to do in this episode that's about his wedding that he's not really in otherwise. Right, that's true. But yeah, so all that's going on. Christopher and Lorelai are getting very drunk, being very affectionate with each other. And it escalates pretty quickly, I feel like. Yeah, it's platonic at first, but like becomes very flirty. He like puts his jacket on her. It's weird. It's When I say weird, it's not weird or wrong. It's just very suggestive when they're getting that drunk with just the two of them hanging out. They're at a party, but then they right. go out front and he's like, grab the bottle. Yeah. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. They're consenting adults. 100% they can do that. I just mean it's like, oh, I see where this is going. Well, at this point, Lorelai doesn't know about Sherry. Right. But then he tells her that he can hang out for the wedding. And she's like, oh, yeah, don't you get a Get permission from Sherry, which the way she says that too is like, I mean, yeah, Sherry's a part of his life. Like, why are you acting like it's his prison guard? But he's like, no, I don't because we're actually breaking up. She uh, went away in business and we had a big breakup fight right before that. To me, it seemed like they were kind of talking about breaking up, but it, it seemed like he thought they were done. Yeah, it was like, it seemed a little gray area to me. Because he said like, it's just, this isn't it. Like, this isn't meant to be. But it, it seemed like they were going to maybe talk about it more when she got back. Almost like a trial separation. Lorelai loves this news. She doesn't necessarily show Christopher she loves it. But the next day, she immediately tells Rory that she's got all kinds of gossip. I feel like Rory is being the voice of reason here, though. She's like, well, you seem really happy about this. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be, like, on Team Dad. And obviously, he's not happy about this, probably. Right. But it's clear Lorelai's like, ooh, Christopher's free. It seems to me that Rory 
Rory is over her self-inflicted punishments. Yeah, yeah, there's no mention of that. Paris calls during this scene. Yeah, she's got like a concession speech in case they lose. Rory's like, you don't know you're going to lose. Yeah, she's crunched the numbers, I guess. So she's like, well, we're going to lose. But she also says, like, even if I win, it's only because of you. So either way, I'm a loser. Which is just true, Paris. You're a loser. You just got to stop being so bossy all the time. We should also mention that Rory, if they win, has to go to D.C. for the summer for some kind of, like, leadership thing, which she doesn't seem psyched about. She even seems like she might not do it, even if she's supposed to. Or she's, like, kind of almost hoping they don't win because she doesn't want to have to do it. There's a line here that's kind of interesting, right, when they're talking about gossip. She's like, guess who broke up? And, and Rory's like, Jennifer Anderson and Brad Pitt. And then Lorelai's like, no, 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 don't say that. Yeah. Which is funny to us because it's like, oh, yeah, they broke up very publicly for like a long time. Yeah. So we had to Google, like, when did that happen? Were they like on the fritz when this episode was happening? But no, I think they were in the heyday of their relationship. So it's kind of a funny prediction that they made. But it's funny because we didn't know how to read that line. Like, was that a joke or mm-hmm. are they together? Like, no, yeah, they were perfect and they were going to have wonderful babies. The next scene's at the end. Michelle uh, really wants to go home. He's done a lot. He's like running the wedding, essentially, because Lorelai's in it. There's a funny scene with Michelle just like desperately telling her that he's going home, but like asking, but like telling. Then Lorelai's like decorating, and there's like this music playing that's like the music that always plays when Lorelai's like having like deep contemplative thoughts about her future, and she does this like face. I don't know how to describe it, but like every time that happens, I'm like, okay, you're having thoughts about Christopher. I think it plays in every episode of some kind of transition. But it could be that she's always thinking about Christopher. Christopher's there, by the way, and he's uh, staying overnight at this hotel. They sit in the couch together, and they have a little cuddle, and then he, like, kind of slips his arm around her a bit, and she's sort of like, okay, and then they kind of slip their mouths on each other's. She's like, okay. (laughs) And then he says we've never been in the same place at the same time, meaning, like, we've never both been, like, single and able to make this work. You say mature? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it necessarily means, like, physical location obviously like place in life i think Mm -hmm. and then they go upstairs he's essentially she's like you ever think you get this lucky and he was like well uh he said i never dreamed i'd get this lucky which is very sweet good pickup line it worked yeah and then they essentially do like do you want to go upstairs and bang and she's kind of like well okay so i think this couch that they're on leads to sex emily and richard had like a middle of the night conversation here in the bracebridge dinner episode and then it was heavily suggested the next morning that they had had sex after that oh yeah oh yeah sexy couch (laughs) yeah every time i look at that couch i just want some spaghetti i don't i'm kidding that's your thing yeah Um, find your own thing right your thing's just regular sex (laughs) (laughs) just regular old sex so they go upstairs and uh, they bang. We don't see that. <laughs> it's just like a really long scene and it's just like very, very explicit. Passion. <laughs> and he loses his soul. It changes the dynamic. No, they bang and then she comes downstairs all banged and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just clear. She comes downstairs and she's like in a robe. She's like very happy and she goes in the kitchen and Suki's in there in her wedding dress, in makeup. In hair? Like redecorating her cake? Yeah, she's like last minute stressing about everything. She wants her marriage to last. She's worried. And, you know, she's like, ha- wasn't stressed until this last moment. She's getting like, I don't know if you'd call it cold feet, but like stressed feet. Yeah. And I'm fine with all of that and her like stress decorating the cake because that's sort of her thing. I don't buy that she put on her wedding dress for this though. She like justified it. She needed to make sure she looked right with the veil or something like that. Well, she said she had a dream that the wedding dress didn't fit her anymore. Yeah, that it was like short in the back or something. I buy her putting it on. I, 
don't buy her like going downstairs where she could get like frosting on it. Yeah, was she staying at the hotel? I guess she could have been because like maybe Jackson's staying at the house and they wanted to stay separate. I'm assuming she is. But it's insane that she would do that, especially with someone as clumsy as her. I get her putting on the dress, maybe. And then one thing led to another. But the, her makeup and hair are, like, very nice. I It, it seemed like this was just a way, again, mm-hmm. to put Suki in her wedding dress so we could see her since we don't actually see her walk down the aisle. Or yeah. maybe ever after this. Yeah, she dies. I mean, <laughs> in this episode. I don't know that we see her again. Yeah, I know, right? So I think you pointed that out, and I think you might be right. That makes sense. You're very smart. Thank you. <laughs> She was, like, beautiful, and, like, her cake was all nice. We got to see, like, all the Suki happiness come together without actually making that final scene about the wedding. Yeah, but she's like, just tell me something that's going to take my mind off this. And she's like, I just banged Christopher. Ah! Classic Lorelai-Suki dynamic. Lorelai walks in and immediately starts telling Suki about her life. Well, Suki asked. She did, 100%. You are right. You're smart again. Thank you. She's able to calm down Suki, and Suki is going to go get some sleep. She tells Suki she looks beautiful. She does, yeah. She's like, you go get some sleep. And Suki's like, you go get some. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So she goes upstairs, and Christopher is talking to her, and he's like, yeah, maybe, um, what if we tried doing this again? And she's like, like, this again? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like this again, um, now and sometimes in the future. But I mean, if he makes it clear that like he wants to try a relationship. Yeah, I, they've definitely, I think, said that by the end of the scene. Like, let's date now. And it's funny because Lorelai has the instinct of like, uh, it's, I don't think it'll work. But she, I think she's just like, but we, we need to try. We have to fail. We can't just assume it'll fail. Right. I got that too. Uh, and so they're going to try it. And it clearly it makes them both happy. And me as a viewer, I'm like, cool, this ain't going to last. This is like Max Medina season one. Like, there's no way this is going to work. At least not yet. Speaking of relationships that aren't going to work, the next scene is uh, about Kirk walking into the diner. And he's having a funny conversation about ham sandwiches with Luke about how fast he can make them. That's pretty funny. But Kirk is just talking about, he's like wearing a nice suit. And he's like, I want to meet someone at this wedding. It's been so long that even the animal planet doesn't do it for me anymore. Doesn't do what? (sighs) Yeah, we just tried to figure this out. Like, doesn't do it for you as in like, it doesn't take your mind off your loneliness slash horniness anymore. Or like, I hope it's that one. Or like, you tend to like masturbate to Animal Planet, but no longer does that fill that need for you? It seems like it's that one. It does seem like it's that one. Um, okay, well, that's a mystery, I hope. I mean, he works at a video store. You can't find anything else? Well, everything's behind that curtain now. That's true. It's pretty obvious what you're doing if you're going back there. Luke goes upstairs, and there's Jess. Hmm. I immediately was like, how did Jess get in there? Like, Luke would have seen him. Luke was in the diner. There's only one way up there. And then Luke asks him that, and he's like, you know what? I don't want to know. Luke's, Luke says everything that I said. And he's like, I would have seen you. I was in the diner. Stacy's power, once again. Kurt! Kurt! Get down. Kurt, get down. Get down. Get down. Get down. Get down. Sit. Get Don't sit. No. Get down. Get down. Good boy. Good boy. Good boy, Kurt. Yeah, go to your room. We love you. Aw, poor baby. Personally, I feel like there's two scenes in this episode that I thought were the best. I don't know which one was better, but this was one of them. Maybe it spoke to me more just because it was two men speaking. I don't know. But, like, Jess is like, hey, I want to come back. We know he wants to come back because he wants to be with Rory. But I feel like he and Luke have, like, a, a like a pretty touching moment here without being too, like, emotional about it. Like, Luke's mad at him because he left him a bunch of messages. He was like, you know, you could have called me back to make sure you didn't get hurt. And he essentially gets Jess to, like, admit that he wasn't perfect, you know? To drop the James Dean attitude, as he put it, a little bit. Yeah. Well, Jess is like, you didn't pack up any of my stuff. So, like, part of Luke was hoping he'd come back, I think. 
You think that's what that was? Yeah, why else wouldn't he have packed up his stuff? Yeah, I don't know. But it looks like you. I went out of my way to like stand up for you, and you were so bad. Then he has that line where he's like, hey, I'll help you close up later. Like, hey, I'm going to try to be a little bit better, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I feel like any time he helped Luke before, it was like the most begrudging thing imaginable. Right. But he seemed to be like uh, offering his assistance, but he has to go somewhere first. And Luke can kind of tell, I think, where he's going to go. And he's like, hey, man, like Rory has a boyfriend. She's with someone. Just, just leave it alone. It's not going to happen. And he's like, I hear you, but does he? I don't know. I feel like maybe he does. I mean, he goes to where Rory is. Yeah, but I don't know that he goes to where Rory is with the intention of wooing her immediately. Sure. But yes, he's going to go see Rory. But you liked the scene just because uh, you think Jess and Luke have something kindling like a bromance or yeah well i mean i think they it's a big generalization but men when they're fighting or like having a a moments like this they're not particularly sentimental seeming on the surface but i feel like you can kind of feel that there's care for each other there especially these two who neither of them really have much emotion for two very misanthropic people who like are just naturally rude rather than even neutral i feel like this was saying a lot yeah so finally we're at the wedding There's a weird scene where, like, Michelle walks past two people who may have been touching a little bit on an elbow. Yeah, he, like, tells them to go in the linen closet inside. As if, like, you guys are being too affectionate out here. There's a place you can go take care of that. Right? That had to be it? I didn't understand. Also, it's like a wedding. Like, people can be a little affectionate. And they were barely affectionate. Yeah, we had to watch it a few times, and it's still not... I'm not convinced they were touching. They could have been cousins. Yeah, in which case, they should be going to that closet. If they're fooling around, people shouldn't see that. Maybe that's what he meant. Yeah, he could tell. He's French. He could just, she has a sixth sense for these sort of things. I just want to point out I like the dresses Rory and Lorelai are making. They made a big point all season of saying Lorelai was going to make them. Yeah. But the theme of this wedding is all over the place. There's maybe like Hawaiian drinks happening, but like the dresses that they're wearing aren't any of the colors Suki has been talking about. They're not pink. They're not yellow. They're like a dark teal. I don't understand the theme. She really should have had Emily finish that out with her. <laughs> Everybody's here. Dean's here with Rory. They're doing great. He gets a phone call on his tiny microphone. It's so small. I don't know if he's just so big. He's a regular sized phone. He's just so tall. The phone call's from Paris. They ask how she got that number. We never really find out. But she won. So that sort of opens up Pandora's box about Washington, D.C. Is Rory going to go? Doesn't seem like she wants to. Lorelai and Chris are kind of flirty. And Lorelai's like, stop. Everyone's going to know we did it. And then he like kisses her hardcore. Yeah. Michelle's going to send them to some closet for Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Richard and Emily show up. First off, Emily says, I came even though it was like a rude invite because not showing up would be even ruder. That's about rising above, which was kind of a, even though it's like a throwaway line, it is like illuminating about Emily's character. Yeah. She's more about like duty and being proper. Yeah, I mean, she's like definitely such a villain in some cases. And I, I think maybe a manipulative person at heart. Yeah. But so much of her is driven by like what she believes is the right way to do things. Right. Rich- Richard too. Good. Yes. And Emily's like, why is Christopher here? Lorelai's like, well, he's here to see his daughter. Wink, wink. Emily's like, well, good for you. Because Emily clearly wants her to be with Christopher. Yeah, she's so happy. And everyone seems very happy, which, you know, is a death sentence in this show, or any show, really, that's got more seasons after it. Kirk is singing a song, and everyone's talking about how Dean is going to get, like, like mobbed harassed by-, <laughs> by the women when they get drunk. Like Patty and Bebe. Yeah, that's like, okay, well, he's still a boy. He's a tall, handsome child. Yeah. Some of you have husbands. Chris takes Rory aside. Uh, They go for like a little walk and he's like essentially like, hey, I'm thinking of like maybe starting a family with you. (laughs) Not, that's, that came out wrong. Um, (laughs) 
Starting, uh, you know, uh, getting the band back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the band being the family. Rory even says something to akin to, like, we've been waiting for this, like, me and mom. Like, both of them want this. Yeah. And Rory sort of already admitted that a little bit in a previous episode. But I think this is, like, crystal clear, like, yes, this is what I want. This will make me happy is if I have a f- complete family again. Everyone's on board. As yeah. long as everyone seems sincere, she's down to do this, too. Except he gets a phone call, and he's like, I know it's a Sunday, but, you know, I'm really important now. Kind of stressing that, like, you know... I am responsible now. Mm. I'm a changed person. You're so smart. Talking about me or him? You. (laughs) You're so smart. It's essentially saying like, yeah, Christopher is that thing that the family wants. Everything's perfect. Oops. He got that woman pregnant. We don't don't know that yet though, but he has a phone call, but you know that phone call is not going to be good. You know that phone call is not going to be a, hey, you won some extra money. (laughs) It could just be the reason Rory needs to be alone right now. That's true. Rory is then alone and then spies Dean just like. Who? Well, she thinks she must think it's Dean because she kisses him. <laughs> she sees Jess, who's just like sulking around in a field. He's just standing by a river. <laughs> Is that that different? <laughs> I don't know that he was sulking. He was looking for her. You don't think her. he's sulking? He looks sulking. I think he was there looking for her. He wasn't just there thinking about how sad he is and she showed up. search and sulk at the same time. Boo. Okay. Well, she goes up to him. She's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm moving back. And I also, this is the other second scene. Obviously, if anyone's seen it, this is the second scene that is the best scene for me. Sounds like you're Team Jess. I don't know that I'm Team Jess, but like, I I just think this is acted really well. She has come to terms with the fact that she knows she likes Jess. She knows that she wants Jess. She clearly knows that. But she also like has come to terms with like, it's not going to work. But like in this moment with him there, she just can't help herself. It's it's not even like logic or anything. She just like kisses him, and I can't stress enough that I really feel like the actress does, did it so well. Where it's like clearly like she does. She's like almost not even in control of herself. I'm sure Babette somewhere like appeared over her shoulder like, I told you. She just like kisses Jess and it's an awkward kiss and she's like, um, uh, don't talk about this. And then she like runs away like a cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> just flees. And she's like, welcome home. I don't think that Jess... To his credit, at least, in my mind, I don't think he came to this wedding to, like, win her back. I think that maybe Jess was, like, hoping and planning even to wait for Dean to, like, screw up or for her to fall out of love with Dean. But I don't think he came here to, like, woo her. So I think it had to be her that kissed him. Yeah, I I don't know that he's going to wait around for Dean forever. Like, there's only so much time before Rory goes to college. I hear what you're saying. I mean, I think he may actively try to, like, sabotage it in a sense. But then Christopher tells Lorelai that he's got to go. It's a little weird. He's a little cryptic about it right away, but I guess he's like kind of reeling from what just happened. Right. And Lorelai's like, wait, you, what? No, why? You were at the wedding. Tell me what's up. He's like, Sherry's back. And she's like, oh, okay. You're going back to Sherry. I can't believe this. So you. And then he's like, no, she's pregnant. She found out she's pregnant and then immediately called me. And what am I supposed to do? I want to be with you. I want to be here with Rory. But am I supposed to abandon this child the same way I abandoned Rory? Oh my God. The writing here, even though I saw this coming, like they set up that she wanted to have kids which means they probably weren't using protection right yeah and they already put that thought out there that she's looking to get pregnant she wanted them soon but it's a perfect like way to have drama and tension and to keep them apart without making Christopher the villain mm-hmm. because if you make him the villain then like why would you ever forgive him after this like right. this is a perfect way to be like you're not a villain but you are in such a situation that like there is no easy out we can't be together I thought this scene was really good I thought Lauren Graham does a really good job yeah I agree I think this scene was good as well. Yeah, I you know you say you saw it coming, but I feel like, I mean, I definitely watched this show kind of out of order the first time I saw it, but I didn't know how it ended when I started watching it. Yeah. 
So the first time I saw this scene, I, I think I was maybe shocked because I didn't know, you know, everything surrounding. Like maybe I had missed that Cherry episode. So this seemed like kind of a bummer <laughs> that they weren't going to be together after all that beautiful flirting they'd done. It was just too perfect. Yeah, I hear you. And as we already talked about, and you just sort of stated, like, I know there's going to be several more seasons. And like for her to find happiness in season two is like, I doubt it. Also, they haven't dealt with the judge yet or Akatha. So it's... There's still a lot to go on. I know. So Lorelai's like totally broken right now. You know, like there's so much to think about. She told her mother that Ugh. they're going to be with Christopher again. So she's going to have to have that awkward, terrible conversation. Rory knows. Yeah. She's going to have to break it to Rory. And she, of course, says that she'll tell Rory. It makes sense, but it's also another emotional burden on her for her to carry. She's got to pretend to be there for Suki, even though she's never there for Suki. It's very important to do today. I wouldn't be surprised if when it came to objections, she's like, I don't have an objection, but Suki, I would like to talk to you about some turmoil. I'm dealing with (laughs) but she does say to him congrats which I think was important too because it was saying like I don't blame you for this even though I'm upset and maybe part of me is upset with you even though it doesn't make sense yeah which is a hundred percent a thing that anyone would have you're right it was a good scene definitely I would never pretend this wasn't a good scene and it was well acted but then she and Rory both meet up back at the wedding and Rory just says like I think I'm going to DC probably because she's like I'm gonna meet Jess there I don't know oh yeah I don't know exactly why she said in my head she's like that'll just get me away from all this well, I think about it. No, that's a good point. I don't exactly, honestly don't remember what happens in DC or how much we see of that or what it means for the story. But yeah, I think that's why. I think she's like, I can't be here if Jess is here. I'll cheat on Dean more. And then uh, they stand there together in like unspoken sadness because yeah. they don't know why what's going on with each other. You pointed out it's kind of the opposite of last season where they ended like jumping up and down in each other's arms. Yeah. And then that super sad song plays for the <laughs> wedding. So it's kind of like a nice like, oh, yeah, people are sad. The lyrics of the song also are sort of meaningful to Lorelai's situation. Like I can't get started. Mm, yes. It, like, specifically with this guy, which yeah. is a weird wedding song. So did you think this was a good episode? Yeah, I do. I I really, the end of this one really stood out in my memory. So I was excited to see your reaction to that. Because you've sort of been predicting like combinations of the things that happen. Yeah. So you were sort of right. You said like Rory is going to cheat on Dean with Jess. And like she did kiss him and she did go to New York for him. So yeah, I I guess she did kind of cheat on Dean. I mean, she did. You're not supposed to go to other cities with men and kiss them? No. Do we need to talk? Uh, No, we don't need to talk. (laughs) Good. Because I got some pregnancies I got to reveal to you. Uh (laughs) But yeah, I thought, I mean, like you said, maybe it was predictable that they weren't going to be together just because we know there's so much more show. That's a problem of any drama that you're binging. Yeah. Which is interesting because we try to, uh, you and I try to replicate what it would be like to watch it, right? We try not to read ahead. We don't try to give spoilers to each other, but we do know how long each show lasts. Right. So I went watching this live though was like, oh no. Unless you hate Christopher, you wanted her to not be with him. Right. But in that moment, you like, everything's going great. Yeah. I, I feel like no matter how you feel about the characters, it's still like good writing. Oh yeah, it was really good writing. And the episode had humor with Kirk mm-hmm. and did little stuff here and there. It wasn't the funniest episode ever, but it had some really beautiful moments. I didn't cry or get teary-eyed in this episode, but I feel like my heart like felt something when Lorelai kissed Jess. And I told you, because it just seemed so real. When Rory kissed Jess? You said when Lorelai, I missed that part. Did yeah, there's, Lorelai- a, there's a pretty weird scene. Is that when you had to excuse yourself because you were crying so much? Yeah, I was like, no, that's your daughter's boyfriend. No, when Rory kisses Dean, it was just so real to me. I just When seemed... Rory kisses Dean? Yeah, and it was like, you should be kissing Jess. That's what this whole episode's about. Wow, um, there's a lot of parts I must have been... You were really passed out. Okay. Uh, Brian, which episode do you think was better? Hmm. So I think that... Uh... 
For me, it was Buffy. I do think Gilmore was great, exceptional. Would beat most Buffy episodes, but I, I feel like the writing for Buffy was uh, was better and less predictable. Yeah, it is really tough, actually. Yeah, I mean, it is tough because there was some really good scenes, but it didn't pull my heartstrings enough. Or surprise me enough to make me vote for Gilmore. I'm going to go with Buffy for this one. I think it's probably Buffy, too. There's just a a lot of um, reveals in Buffy. Yeah. Where Gilmore, a lot of great scenes with character interactions. And I mean, it kind of reveals. Like, Rory kissing Jess sort of opens a new box. How is that going to affect her relationship with Dean now that it's more out in the open? Right. And what does this mean for everyone that Lorelai just told about Christopher? But yeah, just Buffy telling her mom is big. Buffy running away is big. Spike and Buffy working together is big. Angel dying seems big. So yeah, I think Buffy is probably better just because it's a little more action-packed and like more important things happen. Where The Gilmore Girls are just sort of going through life, dealing with relationships. But both very, very great season finales, hard choices. They were both very good. It was interesting watching Buffy with a different perspective now of not being like a kid. Oh, yeah. I feel like watching Gilmore Girls as an adult is so interesting. So next week, we won't be watching any episodes, but we will be talking about season two as a whole. Yeah, we'll count down our favorite moments, maybe point out some of our least favorite moments, and we'll reveal our favorite episodes of the season. And we'll reveal which show we thought had a better season two overall. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, which season finale did you think was better? Do you think that Xander caused Angel's death? Spoiler alert, he did not. Yeah, um, I think you know the answer if you want Brian to be your friend. What are your thoughts on Whistler? Yeah, do you understand his deal? Have you ever decorated a cake in full makeup and wedding dress? I bet someone has. In the history of humankind? Yeah, of course. Do you think Sugi and Jackson actually got married? We never saw it. Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. And for comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. Or you can send us a good old-fashioned email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we'll give you a shout-out here on the podcast. All right, I gotta go watch season three. Brian, we're not watching episodes this week. Come on, the start it. No. We don't have to tell anyone. No, they can hear us still. Oh, shoot. Bye.